You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Kind of the calm before the storm as the Major League Baseball season resumes tomorrow night with the Yankees in Colorado, the Mets at home against the L.A. Dodgers, and really a full 72 or so game sprint to the finish line for both teams. And of those 72 or so games, we'll see just how many wins each of them can pick up, and that will determine whether or not we have meaningful baseball in September and, dare I say, October baseball here in New York City. So we'll get into that a lot. A couple of changes for the Yankees since we last saw them on the field on Sunday afternoon against the Cubs. I know it was it was kind of a nice day. It was uh, you know like a lazy Sunday. A lot of people were out and about. It was the uh, last game before the All Star break, so I'm not sure how many people were actually locked in on that series finale between the Yankees and the Cubs. That was the worst Yankees loss of the season. It really was, and uh, you know. The Mets are a team that had some momentum going with that six-game winning streak and then lost the last two games in San Diego before the All-Star break. The Yankees just, I don't know the last time the Yankees have had any semblance of momentum. I guess it was, and I think I said this on previous shows, it was about a month ago now, which, what does that say right off the bat, when they had that weekend series, I think it was three weeks ago, when they had that weekend series against the Rangers at Yankee Stadium, and they lost the Friday night game, and then they came back to win Saturday, and then it was a really stirring comeback win on Sunday, and that was right before they went out west for their three-game road trip in Oakland, followed by a three-game road trip in St. Louis, which they split uh, the six games and went 3-3 three and three on that trip. That stopped the momentum. But we're talking about the last time the Yankees had momentum – I'm talking about a two-game winning streak. I mean, it, it's amazing how average they've been and how mediocre they've been. And then on the the other side of that coin, you know, they're still right there in the thick of the wild card picture in the American League. The division uh, title likely out of their grasp unless they get insanely hot and a lot of things have to change. But the last time we saw them on the field, that Cubs game when they had a 4-1 to lead on Sunday, and then Glaber Torres boots what would have been an inning-ending double play, doesn't get anybody out. The inning continues, and the Cubs ultimately go on and uh, run past the Yankees to run into the All-Star break with a come-from-behind win that the uh, Yankees really just threw away with both hands. That was their worst loss of the season, from Aaron Boone taking Domingo Herman out after throwing 74 pitches. I mean, case in point, I coach a nine-and-under travel baseball team in Tuckahoe, New York, and I wasn't at the game because I was working here on Sunday morning, but we had a pitcher, nine years old, Simone Giordano, all right? Kid's a stud. He threw 75 pitches in our game on Sunday morning, and we won. We beat Harrison. Big win. Big win for the Tigers. And then I go to Yankee Stadium that afternoon, and Domingo Herman, who had given up one hit, a home run, Aaron Boone pulls him after 74 pitches. So a nine-year-old, apparently, according to the analytics that the Yankees have going for them, a nine-year-old was able to pitch more pitches that day than a major league pitcher who was two starts removed from a perfect game. I, I don't... I don't understand many of the decisions, but that was the last time we saw the Yankees on the field. And then they've made uh, two, well, I say significant tongue-in-cheek here, changes or alterations over the All-Star break. One of them, you hope, has more of an impact than the other. The, the one we spoke about yesterday 
a lot. Uh, I was with Bart Scott on the uh, midday show. I know they were talking about on the Michael K show after us, this star insurance patch, which we can have some fun with. Um, it just kind of shows where the Yankees are as an organization. Look, I, I'm past, you know, uh, getting on the Yankees for quote unquote bucking tradition. This is this is how the game of Major League Baseball is played, or the sport, or let's be honest, the business of Major League Baseball is operated these days. Every other team has the ability to put a patch, an advertising patch on their uniform. It would be stupid. It would be negligent for the Yankees not to take advantage of the financial resources that are available to them for a simple thing like the patch. All right. So I'm not going to get all bent out of shape. I remember when people were bent out of shape when they put the when Major League Baseball's sponsor went to Nike and everyone was like, oh, my God, how can you put the Nike swoosh on the front of the Yankees uniform with the pinstripes? I, that doesn't bother me. Like I said, it would be stupid if they didn't take advantage of you, you want to give the Yankees 20 million dollars to put a patch on their sleeve. No problem. But it's just the it's the timing. And maybe they thought they were being slick and it's the all star break and Maybe they figured nobody was paying attention, and yesterday would have been a good day to kind of slide that into the news cycle because they had to have known. They had to have known. While, yes, it's it's a smart business decision, it's kind of an obvious business decision, considering where this team is right now um, and all the bad money that they have spent and continue to spend on this current team, whether it be Giancarlo Stanton, whether it be Josh Donaldson, um, whether it be DJ LeMayhew, whether it be Aaron Hicks, who they're paying to play for one of their division rivals, with all the bad money that they've spent, um, that's not what the fans want to see. You know, the fans want to see a left-handed power hitter who can put the ball over the short porch in right field. The fans want to see a guy at the top of the order who has, and this isn't even asking a lot, who has maybe a 330 on base percentage because most guys in the Yankees lineup don't even have a 300 on base percentage. Is it too much to ask for somebody at the top of your lineup to get on base 33% of the time? It really shouldn't be. Those are the changes the fans want to see. Not a patch on the Yankees uniform, which the Yankees know, and the Yankees play into this, by the way, is still considered sacred to many, many of their very loyal fan base. So that was the one change. The one that you hope, if you're a Yankees fan, that has more impact is the hiring of Sean Casey as the hitting coach. Now, right after that game on Sunday that I talked about, they sent out the release about an hour after the game that Dylan Lawson had been fired as the hitting coach. Um, look, the Yankees, and we every single show here has talked about this over and over and over again to the point where we're starting to sound like a broken record, but the Yankees lineup is not producing. And in baseball, in sports, in business, in life, if you're trying something a particular way over and over and over again and you're not getting the desired results, then something does need to change. So, you know, I've heard a lot of conversation how hitting coaches really don't have much of an impact at all. To a certain extent, that might be true, but what the hitting coach is on any team, especially nowadays, I do think that the hitting coach in baseball has more of an influence on the lineup than he used to, just in terms of being a shoulder to lean on, uh, and a psychologist in many respects to players who are struggling or want to tinker with things, or a sounding board. That's really what a hitting coach is 
you know, for younger players, they can work on the fundamentals and tweak things in their stance. But everybody who gets to the major leagues is a major league baseball player for a reason. So in the vast, vast majority of these cases, these players aren't guys who you need to break down their stances and teach them how to hit from the ground up. The hitting coach is largely, you know, psychological, a confidant, a sounding board, a cheerleader. Those are the the roles of a good hitting coach, I would think. Not somebody who has never played on this level, you know, coming in. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I worked with Bart for the first time and had a lot of fun sitting in for Allen. And I was thinking about this, you know, this is not an exact comparison. But as we were discussing, you know, football and a lot with the Saquon Barkley contract, and I'm just thinking, like, can you imagine me sitting here? Now, I know sports, and I've followed sports my entire life, and I've been in this business for 25 years. But can you imagine me sitting here next to Bart Scott, former Pro Bowl linebacker, playoff performer, uh, NFL veteran, and giving him my thoughts and some advice on how the Giants should approach their defense or breaking down Wink Martindale's defense? That would be insane. And and it's not the same thing. Look, that Dylan Lawson, I'm not trying to um, you know, degrade his credentials, but he's not a guy who did it at this level. And I do think that especially on a team like the Yankees, they're not flooded with young up-and-coming players. You know, they have Volpe, they have Oswaldo Cabrera, but they also have Stanton, who's struggling and needs help. They have Donaldson, who, to be honest, in my opinion, is a lost cause, but maybe the Yankees are going to take one more uh, bite at that apple. They have DJ LeMahieu, who's struggling and needs help. They have Glaber Torres, who's struggling and needs help. So these are veteran players who, in many ways, are stuck in their ways, but something needs to change. And if the Yankees are going to make this change, and they went ahead and did this, to, to me... This was really the only way they could have gone, was hiring somebody like Sean Casey. Because at first, when they announced that they're firing Larson and replacing him with somebody likely from outside of the organization, you kind of roll your eyes, you look at him as a scapegoat. It's really the players who should bear most of the responsibility for their lack of production. But then when I heard that Sean Casey was named as the replacement. And Casey, first of all, has a relationship with Aaron Boone. They were teammates for several years with the Cincinnati Reds. Casey was a solid 300 hitter. He was a three-time All-Star, first baseman for a long time for the Reds. And anybody who knew Casey or watched him or followed his career or has followed his his post-playing career as a member of the media, the first thing that you know, I mean, his nickname is The Mayor. And it was when he was playing because when he was at first base, he would talk to everybody. He is a very engaging guy, and it's not fake. That's who he's been his entire career since you know the early 2000s when he kind of burst onto the scene. So is this the kind of guy, good hitter, did it at the highest level, completely fresh and different approach? I mean, he's not going to be sitting there with the analytics charts. This guy didn't work his way up through an organization as a hitting coach, and this is his big opportunity. He was hired because... He's going to take a completely different approach from what they had before. And you know what? Why not? And for me, it's more than why not. I actually like the move. I actually think this just might work. All right, because if the Yankees brought in, you know, another one of these young guys that is also analytic-based 
and just pours over hours and hours and hours of video and, and, and looks at analytic charts and spray charts and exit velocity. That's what they had now, and it wasn't working. You know what they need? They need a human being. They need a human being to stand behind the cage, you know, watch Giancarlo Stanton take some cuts, and then watch him in the game that night and pull him over. Hey, gee, you know what I saw there? Why don't you try this? Why don't we tweak this? Why don't we give this a try? That is completely different from what they had for the last several years. And what they had for the last several years wasn't working. And it really cratered this season. Because here's the thing. The Yankees lineup is, especially with Aaron Judge, it is not good. It is not strong. You know, there are too many Cabreras in the lineup. There are too many Billy McKinney's in the lineup. You know, Anthony Volpe, I have said from the very beginning of the season, I applaud the way the Yankees are handling him, and I think they're starting over the last month and hopefully continuing into the second half of the season, starting to see a bit of a payoff with how they've handled Anthony Volpe by not taking him out of the lineup by not sending him down to the minor leagues. They've kind of ridden it out, and he has come out on the other side. Not completely. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that Anthony Volpe's not going to come out of the All-Star break and go two for 18 because he's not out of this. Everybody goes through slumps, but I like the way they've handled him. But the fact is he's still very much a work in progress. The catchers on a normal team would be fine. Higashioka and Trevino the offensive support that they give you with what they give you defensively. But you have Cabrera, and you have Volpe, and you have McKinney, and those are empty spots in the lineup. And though those spots and that lack of production would not be as glaring if the guys at the top of the payroll were holding their weight. And not only have they not held their weight, Stanton, LeMayhew, Donaldson, and even Torres. I'm sick and tired of giving Torres a pass. And I give him a pass all the time because he's not as bad as those other guys. But this was a guy who at one point was the top prospect in baseball. I understand that ship has sailed. But it's amazing the cliff that he fell off of after 2019. To the point where Torres is a 249 hitter. And we know he makes stupid base running mistakes. He has lapses in concentration. And he makes really untimely errors, like the one he made on Sunday that opened the floodgates and the Cubs come from behind whim. But he's somebody who is supposed to at least produce at a high level offensively. And you look at 2020, that was COVID, and we kind of used that as, as an excuse for everybody. Not saying we were wrong in doing so, but 2020, he wasn't good. 2021, he wasn't good. 2022, he was okay. And 2023, he's okay. That's four seasons. We're four years removed from him coming up as a 21-year-old and being an all-star each of his first two years. So I include Torres with Stanton and LeMayhew. And I guess you have to throw Josh Donaldson into that group. Although if it were me, I would cash Josh Donaldson aside and start fresh at that spot in the second half of the season. But that's not worth talking about right now because that's not how the Yankees are going to handle it. Those are the guys who need help. Those are the guys who have the ability to carry the team even in Aaron Judge's absence and frankly have to carry the team if they're going to make anything out of this season. It's similar to the Mets, but for the Mets, it's the pitchers with Verlander and Scherzer. Those are the guys who have to set the tone and carry the team. We saw a little bit of it 
before Max Scherzer had a bad start in the final game before the All-Star break. But Verlander's been good for about a month and a half now. Scherzer, except for that last start, has been better. And when they were both clicking at the same time for about a two-week stretch, you started to see a trickle down to the rest of the rotation. Trust me. If Stanton starts hitting, if LeMahieu starts hitting, if Torres starts hitting, even without Judge, you will start to see a trickle-down to the rest of the lineup, to Bader, and then to the catchers, and then to Volpe, because that's how it usually works. So we'll see if this change at hitting coach leads to better things for the Yankees as they begin the second half of the season tomorrow in Colorado. Another thing that should certainly help is the, the schedule. Colorado and... The Angels, who are beat up with no Mike Trout. We don't know about Anthony Rendon. Uh, we don't know about Shohei Otani's ability to pitch. So they maybe are catching them at the right time early next week. And then they come home to take on the Kansas City Royals. These nine games, can, can you go 7-2? and two? You know, I sat here almost a week ago, if you included the three games against the Cubs that hadn't started yet, and I said go 8-4. and four. Well, they went 1-2. and two. So can you go 7-2 and two against the Rockies, a beat-up Angels team, and then the Kansas City Royals? You, you, you got to because go look at the schedule. It gets a lot more difficult after that. So is this change going to be a positive change? Hopefully the Sean Casey addition, and I do think it has the potential to work because it's a veteran guy talking to veteran players, and the path forward for this team is for the veteran players to get better. Lots to talk about. It's a mixed bag here tonight. We'll get into the Mets plenty as well. Um, the NFL, the Jets signed their guy they needed to, Quinnen Williams. The Giants still have not come to an agreement with the guy they need to get locked up in Saquon Barkley. Um, LeBron James at the ESPYs, interesting comments. I'll have some thoughts on those. And, of course, your calls. Plenty of that at 1-800-919-ESPN here on 98.7 ESPN New York. My name is Bart. I hit dingers. I hit dingers. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Lots to get to tonight. Anything that is on your mind. We started with Yankees. Second half of the baseball season begins tomorrow for the Yanks and Mets and everyone else. Uh, that'll be a big part of the conversation, but a lot of important football stuff to get to as well. But first, uh, let's open up the phone lines, and we start things off with our friend Richard in Manhattan. Richard, how you doing? Hi, Pat. Pat, the NCAA wants to uh, expand the uh, college tournament. I'm hoping maybe because uh, I think Florida Atlantic or was it San Diego State? One of those two was a playing game, right? Uh, Florida Atlantic, I think. San Diego State yeah, was a one five of seed. Okay, but no, they could have still been. It could have still been a playing game for a five because sometimes I think one of the teams. No, playing games teams. are usually elevens or sixteens. Oh, eleven to sixteen. Okay, yeah. now if they're going to play with it. Maybe just add two more teams or two more games, you know, to the play-in. The play-in is pretty nice. What is that, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Yeah, you know what I would do to the play-in, Richard, is yeah. I would do it all, like, 11 or 12 seeds. I don't think it's fair to the 16 right, seeds that they no, have but, to play yeah, in. But they want to add more teams. No, I understand. I would add more at-large teams. The 16 yeah, seeds, yeah, like, from the, like from the Northeast but, Conference, the Fairleigh Dickinsons, those are those are automatic qualifiers. All those teams should get a shot at a number one seed. Yeah, yeah. So maybe go to 70 or 72. Or more. But don't change anything over the weekends or anything like that because that's perfect the way it goes now. The Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You can't play around with that. 
It's know? symmetrical. It's great. Oh, it works it's really too well. symmetrical. It's right. It's, I mean, you can count on it. You have 16 games without... Friday. You have 16 games Thursday. Oh, and yeah, it's perfect. On the weekend. Don't yep. fool around at all with it. Really, don't fool around with that. So if they want to get more games, and I think they want to ride what they had last time because I think uh, I think San Diego State, or one of them, there was a score, or Florida Atlantic was one of the play-in games. They made it to, you know, close to the Final Four, I think. Uh, Actually, I don't yeah, think FAU was a play-in. They were, they were yeah. really good last year. They were like a 10 yeah, great. Game. I don't so think either one of them were fantastic. And the play-in games are good because they're standalone games. And now with, the, you know, the way schools are, you know, anyone can win at any time. It's great to watch. You never know if you're watching a team that can reach the Final Four, even on that first Tuesday or first Wednesday. That's great. All right. Now, the, uh, on Sunday, Yankees had a situation with a guy up. I, don't, I won't mention his name because it's not important. Man on second, bottom of the fifth, a 1-1 game. It looked like both pitchers were dealing. Herman was pitching for the Yankees, of course. I forgot the name of the pitcher for the uh, the other team. Anyway, so uh, for Detroit, for the, uh, they were playing the Cubs. Right. All right. So it's 1-1. It looked like it'd be a t- leadoff double. You have a 200 batter up. Now, I know what they're telling you now. They're telling us you don't want to give up and out. But first of all, there's a lot of factors. You don't know whether you bunt the ball, whether it's going to be an automatic out. So you've got to factor in whether that team that's on defense is a good defensive team, good fielding team. They can beat a 2015 Mets. If you remember that team with Lucas Duda at first, that was an adventure. Every time a team bunted the ball toward first, that was an adventure. So when you bunt the ball or move a ball, make a team handle a ball, it's not, as, it's not verbatim that it's going to be an out. Okay, now. Man on second, no out, and a 200-hitter hitting. That's one out of five, and he doesn't walk that much either. So it's maybe one out of four and a half that this guy gets on base. He's got a, maybe a 220 uh, on-base percentage, a 200 batting average. You're going to tell me that he shouldn't at least try one pitch moving the runner over to third. One pitch. You have to. I mean, who, he who makes is the that hitter? Who was the hitter? Uh, Stanton. Stanton. Well, they, that, see, you said a 200-hitter. You can't bunt Stanton. Okay. He made out. The next guy hit a sacrifice fly, but the, the run didn't score because the man on second was still there. But if he would have been in third, now that's not to say the same pitch would have been to the same batter and the same sacrifice fly would have happened. But if he got the runner over to third, the next guy hit a long fly ball, and they don't score. They don't manufacture the point they is don't. the Yankees I, I, manufacture I agree with that. runs. I agree they with that. Sit, and in the playoffs, see, they don't play playoff baseball during the season. In the playoffs, you're facing good pitching. You've got to know how to manufacture runs. You can't sit back and expect Stanton on a 200-hitter two, facing a good pitcher on Tampa, on Houston, on, I mean, on anyone, on Cleveland even. Let you me, can't let, let, let me, or Texas. Let me jump in here. Let me jump they're in. not going to get base hits. I got you. I, let me let me agree, Richard. Thanks for the call. Let me let me agree with a lot of what you said because I do think that the Yankees need to play the percentages more than they do because the the whole math has changed now. The team is the lineup is all two hundred hitters. So yeah, if you do have a two hundred hitter or in many cases a one eighty hitter, and it, it's just simple math that Richard's applying there. According to the batting average, he's got a one in five chance to get a hit and move the runner over. And in today's game, most of these players, most of the outs are recorded via the strikeout. So that's not moving the runner up either. But Richard's clever, right? 
I like the way that he framed that article because he uh, that 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 point because he kept saying they had a 200 hitter up they had a two and then I you know I asked him who the two it, it's you're not bunting Stanton. I, I I understand the point if it was Volpe if it was Cabrera if it was even if it was Josh Donaldson if it was um Billy McKinney but you're not bunting Stanton in any situation with a runner on second base and nobody out or whatever it is. But I will say this. I don't think they would have bunted anybody, and that's the problem. If it was Volpe, and you do have to manage according to the situation. All right? That was a 1-1 game, and both pitchers were dealing. And Herman was dealing. Herman gave up one hit and went over the wall. That's why it was a 1-1 game. He didn't go up a hit until the fourth inning. For a while, we thought he might throw his second no-hitter of the season. Herman was dealing, but you also didn't know at the time that they were going to take him out after 74 pitches, which also didn't make any sense. So, look, I get the point. You can't bunt Stanton. That's not what he's here to do. He doesn't even know how to bunt. But I don't even think they would have bunted Volpe or Cabrera. And to be honest, at this point, at this point in the season, it is just about finding a way to win each and every game. And this team, which is set up to win games by hitting the ball over the fence, is not hitting the ball over the fence. They're not hitting the ball anywhere. So why not try it? Let's go to Manny and Flushing. Hey, Manny. Hey, hey, Pat. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Um, listen, I just hope that that new Yankee coach will fit, 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 fit well. Uh, listen, I don't have a problem with the new uh, new sponsor with the Yankees because listen, every, because we see NBA teams have sponsors within within New Jersey, okay? Um, because you said before, Nike has been sponsoring Yankees MLB for years. Look at the NBA; I think since 2017. And I also realized that um, from 1998 to 2004, uh, the teams that won championships were sponsored by Nike: the Bulls, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Pistons. There you go. No, I, yeah. I don't. I don't. Um, have a pro- I don't have a problem with the sponsored logo either. But I know a lot of fans yeah, do. Yeah. I, I have a problem, and I'll let you make your second point. But my, it's not yeah. even a problem. But what made me shake my head was that the Yankees, the Yankees knew that their fans, then they knew their fans were going to have a problem with this whenever they made this announcement, and they went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, I mean, who who yeah. wouldn't have known that a, a large portion of Yankee fans, especially the way the team is playing now? I guess the Yankees were probably – look, if the Yankees were playing, you know, lights out baseball in 20 games above 500 and they were rolling, I think this would still bother people, but it would be a lot easier to take. And I guess yeah. the Yankees were looking for that situation, and it doesn't look like it's coming this year. Yeah, speaking of that, um, I want to ask you, if you have to choose, and I know the second uh, the second half is going to start in a few days, you have to choose which New York team will make the playoffs, the Yankees or the Mets? Oh, the Yankees. I mean, they're much closer to the playoffs right now. Okay. The Yankees okay. are a game out of the playoffs, and the Mets are seven games out, and they have to jump over the Cubs, the Padres, the Brewers, and the Phillies, and the Giants. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's – now, if they were – Starting, um, if they were starting at, at even ground and they were both the same amount of games back and had to jump over the same amount of teams, it wouldn't be as easy an answer for me. But considering the circumstances, the Yankees being one game behind the Astros right now, 
Now, the one thing the Mets do have going for them, and I've referred to this a couple of times, is the teams that are occupying those playoff spots right now, teams like the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, the Reds, they're a division leader right now. The Brewers aren't overly strong. The Cubs are one of the teams ahead of the Mets. They don't scare me. So there's a lot of those teams that I don't have a lot of faith yet that they're going to be able to continue playing at the same pace. Most notably, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, and the Reds. But I could be wrong. But I do think that's one thing that the Mets have going for them. All right, more discussion on the Yankees. Um, and what do they have to do to get into the playoffs? Because they're not in the playoffs right now. And... Uh, Outside of the new hitting coach, our reinforcements on the way. That and more of your calls coming up on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Richard's a good caller. You always got to tidy a couple things up when he comes over and visits. Just uh, for clarity's sake, San Diego State, which reached the national championship game this season in the NCAA tournament, was a number five seed. And that was in the South region. And Florida Atlantic was the number nine seed in the East region. They beat Kansas State at the Garden in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. So neither of those teams were playing teams this year. There have been playing teams in the Final Four. Um, Say it again. VCU went with Shaka Smart uh, very early on. That was one of the first years of the of the playing tournament. Uh, what, what I would do with the playing games is this, and, and I tried to explain this, but uh, w- w- is Richard still with us? You're not like- hearing what I'm saying. He does like to interrupt. Um, I don't think it's fair to make, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson had to win a game before they got to play against Purdue. Those teams are automatic qualifiers, right? So what they do for the playing tournament, for the NCAA tournament, the playing games, I guess they're called, for the NCAA tournament is this. You have four number 11 seeds, and they play for two teams to go into the field of 64. And then you have four of those 16 seeds, and they play, and two of them advance to the field of 64. Those teams, if you win your conference tournament, that's always meant an automatic qualifier. Always. Those teams should get the opportunity to go and play against a number one seed. Especially now, it's even more exciting because it never happened for forever, a 16 beating a one, and now it's happened twice in the last five years. Um, there you go. Virginia lost to uh, Maryland Eastern Shore or Baltimore County, UMBC, in 2018. And this year, Fairleigh Dickinson upsetting Purdue. So it, it happens It happens more often now than it ever did before. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Anthony in the mail truck. Anthony, what's going on? Pat, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? Good, man. Long time no talk. Big, big shout out to the company. It's been a while. Uh, so... Yes, it's been a while. So I believe, don't quote me on this, and, and one of my very good friends was on uh, Tobin Anderson's coaching staff, but I believe Fairleigh Dickinson was a uh, playing, uh, I, I believe. Yeah, they um, were. But, yeah, they were, right? That, you did say that. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I, I, I had that as a point in my head after Richard's call. Um, anyway, getting back into the Yankees, um, I was talking to Joe Leo, and I was getting some, uh, you know, uh, things at him with the Yankees and, and what they have to do. Get Torres off the team. He's, he's, I, I can't stand him. I really cannot stand him anymore. The way that he plays defense, he thinks he's Robinson Cano. He couldn't even shine Robinson Cano's shoes at the plate or in the field. Robinson Cano did what he did because he could. Uh, uh, Torres can't. 
And and that's that's my rant on Torres. Um, but what I was telling Joe Leo, and, and see if you agree with me, and, and I'll give you a couple of trade proposals that I was just putting in my head, um, and, you know, I'll hang up and listen and, and listen to you, uh, you know, uh, talk about them. So my my one would be uh, – we're not getting Otani. So all Yankee fans, just, just stop. Um, it's not happening. Plus we have a, a already a, a DH that, that can't move. So – we can't uh, put Otani at DH every day, and he played uh, eight innings in the outfield um, in his entire baseball career um, in, in, in America. Um, number uh, number two, my trade proposal to the Cleveland Indians, and this would be to just get Bieber number one for us, obviously, to have a three-headed monster, and number two would be to keep him away from the Astros. And I know that that's not a way to think, um, it's just my Yankee uh, Yankee fan hatred of the Astros, Astros coming out. So my trade proposal would be uh, Peraza, um, Clark Schmidt, and Torres. I believe there was another name. There was another name in there that I that I had thrown in. Um, but just wanted to hear your take on that, Pat. And uh, appreciate listening to you, and appreciate you taking the call, brother. Thanks for the call, Anthony. Uh, FTU. Uh, it was a playing game. They beat Texas Southern to advance to take on Purdue when they beat them. I don't think it's enough for Shane Bieber. What what are Bieber's numbers this year? Um, you know, it, it's hard. I like Anthony. That was a good call. I think his uh, he's on the right track. I think you need to give up more for Bieber. But I'm chuckling because the beginning of his phone call was was ripping Torres. Hopefully, uh, Cleveland's front office wasn't listening to his assessment of Glaber Torres because he wants to include him in a trade for Bieber. Uh, Peraza, Schmidt, Torres. Here's the thing. Any team's going to want Volpe over Peraza. They're basically the same age. And I know Volpe, Volpe's not a, I know he hasn't lit the world on fire, but he's also proven that he's not a bust. Shane Bieber's a frontline starter. So Peraza, Schmidt, Torres. What, how, how is, first of all, Cleveland's in a pennant race themselves, right? Where, where they're always in a pennant race. They're in the worst division in baseball. So I don't know that they're looking to unload. They also have, you know, a terrific manager. They're in first place right now. They're a half game ahead of Minnesota. So I don't know that they're looking to unload their ace. I don't even know what kind of season Shane Bieber's having. He is a frontline starter. Let me look at his numbers real quick. Yeah, I mean, he's thrown 117 innings. He's 11, excuse me, he's 5-6 and six with a 3.77 ERA, 95 strikeouts. So really good in this day and age of baseball. Not lights out. You know, not Cy Young level, but really, really good. He's a frontline starter, and that would be great. But that's not what the Yankees need right now. I think the Yankees pitching is fine. The Yankees need to improve their lineup, and they need to do it twofold. They need to improve it for the regular season right now because it stinks in the regular season right now. And they also need to get out of this habit, get off of this hamster wheel that they've been in on for four years now where you get to the playoffs, you don't change your approach, even though the quality of pitching changes, and you still go up there and swing from your heels, and you try to operate like it's the regular season. Except in the regular season, as Yankee fans who watch this weekend's games will find out, you're playing against teams like the Colorado Rockies, you're playing against teams like the Oakland A's, the Kansas City Royals. In the postseason, you're not playing against inferior pitching you're playing against playoff teams that's why they're in the playoffs because they have superior pitching 
So you have to change your approach. And the Yankees have refused to do that. And that just goes along with the line that, you know, I think people have accepted for years. The Yankees' philosophy, this way they structure a team that Brian Cashman likes to refer to. I put together a team for 162 games, and that's good enough to get to the playoffs. And in this day and age, with all the extra rounds and all the extra playoff teams, the playoffs are largely a crapshoot. Except they're not a crapshoot for Atlanta, and they're not a crapshoot for the Houston Astros because those teams make deep runs in the playoffs every single year. And except for last year, the Dodgers make a deep run every single year also. So it seems to only be a crapshoot among the upper echelon teams for the New York Yankees. No, it's not a crapshoot. I mean, yes, it's more difficult to get to the World Series than it used to be because there are more playoff teams and there's more rounds to go through. Absolutely. You know, up until 1969, when they added divisions, if you won your league, you were in the World Series. You're not getting knocked off by a wild card team or an inferior division champion. You win the league, you finish in first place, you go to the World Series. That was a long, long time ago. Even when the Yankees were dominant in the late 90s, they had to win a wild card round or an ALDS. There was no wild card round. A best of five, and then a best of seven ALCS, and then get to the World Series. But that team was so dominant that they knew how to play in the playoffs. This team doesn't change its approach at all, and it shows in the results or lack thereof. All right, I know a lot of more people want to weigh in on this. 1-800-919-3776. We will get to some football as well. We'll continue our conversation on the Yankees as the second half is set to begin and what we can look forward to from the Mets. That and plenty more here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Got Harvey Cruz and uh, the aforementioned Joe Leo having a good couple of conversations with our callers producing the show here tonight. 1-800-919-3776. Guys doing a great job producing things. Let's go to to Carmine in the Bronx. Hey, Carmine. Hey, how you doing, guys? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm just sitting back kicking with a cigar. And uh, listen, this is what's going to happen. I agree with everything you said about the Yankees is exactly right. Okay. Whether I agree with that comes too. Back or not, if they don't get the act together, the, the door's closing. The window is closing. The door's closing. I'm not, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I will say this. This is my prediction. If they don't get the act together, it's going to be Tampa Bay. It's going to be Baltimore. They do, they're doing good. Uh, Toronto. Then the Yankees, and then Boston. That's going to be my prediction for the lineup for the East. Getting into the playoffs or the wild card, that's how my lineup is going to be. Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Toronto, Yankees, and Boston. I don't know if you agree, but my, that's my opinion. I think that uh, it's, not going to, it's not going to work. If they don't get on, their, get on, the, on that horse now and, and ride it right, it's not going to be right, man. Right, let, but, let me ask you this, Carmine. So that's your prediction. That's your order of the AL East. How many of those right. teams that you could have up to four? Um, obviously, Tampa would be in the playoffs. So Baltimore, Toronto, and the Yankees. How many of those teams do you have making the playoffs as a wild card? To be honest, um, out of the four, I don't – I. <laughs> okay, t- Tampa Bay, Baltimore, uh yeah, Toronto, Toronto. Yankees. It's going to be yeah. It's, it, uh, Yankees. It's hard to say, but I, they got a chance if they get to act together. But if not, it's going to be both. 
Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Toronto, and um, listen, Boston is not far behind. I think they're like seven out, eight out, maybe something like that. Well, they're only a game behind the Yankees, Carmine, and enjoy that stogie. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, Boston's only a game behind the Yankees, but the the likelihood, and look, you look at the wild card standings in the American League, four of the top, I mean, Boston's in last place. They're five games above 500. And four of the top five teams in that AL wild card race are um, from the AL East. But the one team that's right in the middle of them is the Houston Astros. And who thinks they're missing the playoffs? And even if they catch Texas, Texas is pretty good. So the Astros are only two games behind the Rangers. And I think there's a good chance they catch the Rangers. I mean, look, the Rangers in, in, in the who couldn't see this coming department are without Jacob DeGrom this season. They're still a very good team. Their offense, I mean, we saw it in the All-Star game. There were Rangers all over the place, and their pitching is good enough. And uh, they have a very good team. I just don't know if they're going to hold off the Astros in the AL West. But they're probably going to hold off the Yankees or the Blue Jays. So you figure two of those wild card spots are coming out of the AL East. Baltimore has a very sizable lead over Toronto, five games, and over the Yankees, six games, and over the Red Sox, seven games. So they're going to be tough to catch if you're the Yankees or you're the Blue Jays. So really it's going to come down to right now, it's coming down to the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. Yankees are 49-42. and 42. They've played 91 games. They have 71 games remaining this season. And they're battling. It's going to be fun. It's actually going to be a good old-fashioned pennant race. And it's it's crazy because you have teams that are in different places. You know, Toronto is a built-to-win team now, and they have been for two or three years, and they haven't had a tremendous amount of success. Two years ago, they just missed getting into the playoffs. Last year, they got in, but they were knocked out in the first round. And here they are again on the cusp of the AL wildcard race. The Yankees are absolutely a win-now team with the second-highest payroll in baseball. And the Red Sox, really, I don't know what they're doing under Bloom. They kind of straddle both sides of the fence as far as building up and keeping salary under control and contending. Well, they're contending because they're only two games behind the Blue Jays for the final wild card spot in the American League. So that's going to be decided over the next 71 games. Should be interesting.